We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 21st, 2013. And today, for the first part, we're going to do a study on the whole Boston bomber scandal and kind of clarify some of the points. I can't do an exhaustive study because it's been so ongoing. With that, there's so much information that's come out day to day. I would have had to have literally done a study every day just to try to keep up with it. That's why I put out well, I put out a total of four newsletters in the last week just to try to keep my listeners up on the current events with that. And today we're just going to be looking at some of the main main points about that. Before we get into that, just some Bible verses to uh, kind of set the tone for everything. Psalm 94, 14. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? So the verse before this, God's promising not to cast off his people nor forsake them. And then in the next verse, well actually two verses later, he asks, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? So he's not going to forsake us, he's not going to cast us off. But he wants us to rise up against the evildoers. Okay? Um, Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? He's asking this question. And God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Because the, quote, Christian church, 501c3, particularly Corporate Church of America, has really failed to do this, iniquity abounds. Whenever you don't fight evil or fight iniquity, sin, well, then it's going to flourish. And this is a big reason why the world is in the shape of sin. Yes, the Bible predicts it's going to be this way. The Bible predicts a massive falling away of the church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe verse 3. There's going to be a falling away of the church, and then that wicked, capital W, the Antichrist, will be revealed. So the falling away comes first, and then the next thing on the schedule, on the agenda, is for the Antichrist to actually be revealed. So that um, could come very quickly. Because obviously the falling away of the church is in full effect. Going to the next verse, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. In other words, you know, David, who or the psalmist, who could in their own right have been, you know, like King David. He could have been proud. He could have said, oh, look what I've done, like Nebuchadnezzar did, and these types of things. Look all the things that my... But David in particular was very, very humble toward the Lord and realized his utter helpless dependency on the Lord God. He realized that. And he was more than willing to acknowledge that, I believe, at just about any point. And this is why I believe the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, because he would do that. Was he perfect? No. Uh, I'm sure not perfect. And, And none of us are. But he was willing to always acknowledge that and, and humble himself, it seemed, before God and, and throw himself on God's mercy. And that's a huge thing. Humility, um, which is also tied in with the fear of the Lord, which is also tied in with many blessings, are, are integrally intertwined. So, going further. Um, verse 18. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. So, God's mercy has a lot to do with 
him protecting us. And this is something we should ask for. You know, and when you do that, you're humbling yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord, and in due time he will lift you up also. I mean, there's a lot of things connected with humility before God. To this man will I look of him that trembleth at my word, and him that is of a contrite heart toward me. In Isaiah, it talks about that. So, um, it has a lot to do with him here in our prayers. Uh, verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Now, I don't know... <laughs> in the history of mankind, if that verse has ever been more true than it is today. I mean, the current events, the massive in-your-face evil that our government in particular, the world government, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, are perpetuating against mankind is on a scale, I just, it's hard to comprehend. It really is. So, they're framing mischief, like we framed the Constitution, or the Declaration of Independence. They're framing mischief, or sin, or evil, by a law now. I mean, you can't do anything and not be doing something illegal anymore. You know, this is what evil, wicked people who are controlled by wicked, evil entities do. If you let them get into that type of position of power. And never, never have I seen that more the case with Obama and this particular uh, puppet government we have in place right now. And then the next verse says, they gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous. So these ones that are um, representing the throne of iniquity, these ones which are framing mischief by a law, what are they doing? They're gathering themselves together against the soul of the righteous. See, they're making all these laws now they're demonizing conservative, Bible-believing, pro-life, pro-prepper, you know, pro-Second Amendment people. They're demonizing them collectively. They wanted desperately to pin this Boston bomber thing on a white male Tea Party person. Somebody is conservative. They, they were, I mean, from the very first day that this came out. I remember when this all happened, when the whole Boston thing happened, I turned on to New World Order News, NPR, National Public Radio, which is like public broadcasting, which, I mean, they'll say all the time, we're funded by the Carnegie Endowment and, you know, the Rockefellers. And I mean, it's like it doesn't get any worse than, than NPR, okay? They're always speaking these real, like, monotone, soothing types of voices. And, and um, the first thing, that I heard about this, as far as I wanted, I wanted to know who are they, who are they going to try to pin this on? Because I had a real big feeling they were going to try to pin it on a white male, and I'm not saying that because I'm feeling sorry for myself, okay? Because I'm a white male, but I'm telling you, collectively, they're trying to demonize conservative white males. They're the new terrorists. They're the fa new face of evil. Islam is not the face of evil. Um, you know, all of these other gangs that are that are in, you know, the, the uh, all these gangs from Mexico that have come up into America and, and a lot of the gangs that we have on our own soil and all of these other really radical, evil, overtly things. They're, they're okay. They're all right. The real ones that we need to watch out for are conservative white males, and I would imagine their families as well, you know. And, I, again, I've documented this over and over. I'm not saying that because I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm just being matter-of-fact. This is what they're doing. And it's the new face of evil. 
And they're framing mischief by a law. Why? Because they're gathering themselves together against the soul of the righteous. They're positioning themselves so that when they do do house-to-house searches for guns that, that somebody would refuse to turn in, or ammo, or um, food, or whatever they're going to say that they have right to to confiscate, then they'll be justified through their framing mischief by a law. But whenever a law contradicts the word of God, and now that's, that's pretty much almost everything they're passing, it's all evil, as far as I can see. Yeah, they'll throw us a bone once in a while. We got this victory, I believe, this last week over the whole, uh, with the Senate and the, uh, them not enacting universal background checks. And I was glad, I was very, very glad about that. But Obama's now threatening, saying, okay, now we're gonna, we're gonna, um, pursue our own actions through executive orders. You know, it's just ruler, rulership by dictatorship, essentially, is what he's saying here. And we'll know this week what that's going to entail. Biden already made that announcement. So they were, they were fuming whether that was an act or whether it wasn't, I don't know. It might have, they might have just been acting like they were so whatever, so that it's like, um, it's like acting like you're, you're wounded to your, the person that's trying to injure you. So you, you can sucker punch them when they get close enough. I think that's probably why they were acting the way they did, because they were all been fuming. And I put out an email on that as well. Um, so right now, what they're collectively doing is they're gathering themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemning the innocent blood. That's the next line in here. They want to condemn innocent blood. This is where the abortuaries come into play. You know, condemning innocent blood. I mean... Babies in the womb, destroying them in mass by the thousands every day. And that innocent blood cries out from the land, and eventually that land will vomiteth out her inhabitants, according to the word of God. Um, I'm not saying God can't protect his remnant, I'm just saying from a generalized standpoint, God's judgment has to fall at some point. And judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, so... That's another thing to consider. So, next verse. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. That's where we need to keep our eyes focused always, no matter how dark or evil or foreboding or all these current events I get into. It'd be real easy to get your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, off Father God. Real easy. And that's why I try to set the tone. I'm trying to do it more lately, setting the tone for the studies, because the information, the current events are getting darker. And so I'm trying to do that more so, to, to really bring our focus in where it should be. And then the last verse says, And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, which is God's judgment, which is what needs to happen. When the wicked are judged, good things always happen. Always in the Bible. It's not fun for the wicked, but is it more merciful for God to let them live out their wicked days and commit more wickedness and possibly take more people to hell with them? Or would it be better for God to cut them off in their iniquity that all men would then see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider his doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart would glory, according to Psalm 64. Well, I think it's more merciful when God does that. Because people get saved in that. When God's judgment falls, people get saved because people wake up. You know, they're forced to. They don't have a choice. Do they want to wake up? No, of course not. Chastening isn't fun, you know, uh, but it's, you know, the, the Bible talks about the goodness and the severity of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. OK, 
okay? There's one word, verse that talks about the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. But also then there's another verse that says the severity. So most of the time, that's been my experience. You know, severity is what gets us. The severity of God is what gets us um, moving in the right direction toward God. Not to say goodness can't either, but anyway... Um, And so he shall bring upon them their own iniquity. This is God doing this. And shall cut them off in their own wickedness. This is what we should really be praying for. In in precatory prayers, if you haven't heard my teaching on this, just key in Psalm, the word Psalm in the keyword search box, uh, Psalm 64, in precatory prayer, a Christian's door of hope. That's our door of hope, God's judgment. Because we can't, on on a temporal level, fight this, I mean with, you know, saying we all rise up with weapons or whatever and fight this type of thing. It's it's God who has to fight, you know, these battles. I'm not saying that you wouldn't want to defend your family and these types of things. I'm talking about the big picture, though. And yes, I knew, I do know that what the Bible says, that the devil is going to, you know, overcome the saints and these types of things. But it's not that he overcomes them and sends them to hell. Or it's not that there's not going to be pockets of the remnant that don't live... God always preserves a remnant, always, okay? And, and the devil ha- will have it seemingly his way for a time, but ultimately it's all going to play into God's hands and his end time agenda, and he's going to be wiped out, him and his followers. Bottom line, we're on the winning side, bottom line. So, and then it says, yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. So, with that, let's go into the study here. Uh, Boston bomber controlled by the FBI. The mother of the Boston bombing suspects, I don't even know how to say their names, I'm sure I'd butcher them. We know the Boston bombing suspects, the two young males, uh, Duzokar and Tamaralan, this is their mother, said Friday that her eldest son, Tamaralan, was under the control of the FBI. Now there's a little video where you can watch her being interviewed. She said, quote, he was controlled by the FBI for like three to five years, she told Russia Today during an interview. They knew what my son was doing. They knew what actions and what sites on the internet he was going to. Um, They used to come and talk to me. (laughs) The FBI would come and talk to this woman, the, the, the mother of the two supposedly, you know, Boston bombers, okay? They were telling me that he was really a serious leader and they were afraid of him. What? Uh, okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, they were afraid of him, yeah. Even though they were helping him, obviously, and they were controlled, controlling him, according to his mother. She said he was controlled by the FBI for three to five years, to her knowledge. And then she says, how could this happen? They were controlling every step of him. <laughs> how could it not happen? The ultimate patsy. Okay, they control him, they put him in the position to essentially frame them for this bombing, and then when it's all said and done, oh look, we've got the suspects, now we just need to track them down. Kill the first one, the second one they almost killed, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, and now they've got their scapegoats, and now they're saying that there was another, uh, I think, sleeper cell of other 12 terrorists. Who knows what's going to come out this week? This this study will probably be totally dated by next week, but I, I had a lot of requests to cover this somewhat, and I'm not going to just 
exclusively key on this today. There's so many aspects to this. There's so many things that have come out about this and just since it happened. Um, the three newsletters that I put up this week got into a ton of the different points. I can't cover them all. There's no way. I mean, I'd have to have 10 hours to probably do it, at least. So, um, they were controlling every step of him. They are telling today that this is a terrorist attack. Shep, the, the FBI is notorious for recruiting, now this is back to the report, the FBI is notorious for recruiting and framing terrorist patsies. Bottom line. This is what they do, one of the main things they do. A report compiled by Mother Jones in the investigative reporting program at the University of California, Berkeley, found that of the 158 prosecutions carried out on terrorism charges since 9-11, 49 defendants participated in plots that were arranged by FBI agent provocateurs. So it's only like one-third of all the terroristic charges carried out since 9-11 in America. Only one-third that they know of. It's probably more than that. <laughs> I mean, isn't this... Yeah, there's no, there's no red flags here. They're creating crimes... They're creating crimes to solve crimes so they can claim a victory in the war on terror. And also when they create crimes, then that gives them the excuse to go around and take more of our rights. Just like 9-11 was a total inside job. Okay. Key and loose change, loose change 9-11. Final cut was really the best one to watch. See if you can refute that thing. <laughs> I mean, there's so many videos out there proving different angles of how 9-11 was a total scam. You know. So they're just continuing this trend and this thing that they've started. Um, this was explained by Martin Stoller, a lawyer who represented a suspect involved in a New York City bombing plot contrived by FBI agents. So, next report, FBI casting, meaning they cast for like a acting, like if you're going to go into a movie or something, they're casting you. Okay, FBI casting set the stage for Boston Marathon bombing, the shootout, and the charade. Um, CBS, this is mainstream, CBS reveals in their report, entitled CBS News, FBI interviewed Tamerlan Tesnarev two years ago. Now, even CBS is finding, has found this out. That they interviewed, you know, one of the suspects or whatever, two years ago. That the FBI initially attempted to, to deny any contact prior to the Boston bombings with the slain suspect, Tamerlan Tesnarev. It was only after Russia Today publicly pursued the story that the FBI finally admitted officially that it had contacted him two years prior. The mother's saying that they've been, been in control of these two for three to five years. The mother's talked to the FBI. Okay, They're being controlled by them. They're probably being supplied with whatever they want. And they were put in this position, this position for the very reason so that they could blame them and have them as their patsies. It's painfully obvious this is the case. The implications are that the FBI knows Russia both possesses information on the case and is prepared to go public with it. For those involved in America's terror racket, now would be a good time to divest. For those involved specifically in the Boston Marathon bombing, now would be a good time to come forward with information. Any and all involved in whatever capacity, capacity wittingly or unwittingly, stand to become scapegoats in order to save the FBI, DHS, TSA, and other federal agencies clearly engaged in a massive cover-up. Absolutely. Next report. 
father of the Boston suspects, says U.S. Security Services set up my sons. The father of the two suspects in the Boston bombing has told Russia and the Western media that he believes his sons have been framed by the U.S. intelligence. A report from the Russian agency Interfax says that a correspondent spoke with the father, Anzor Teznarev, who resides in the southern Russian Republic of Dagestan, and reports on Twitter also claim that Anzor has said that, quote, all hell will break loose if his remaining son is killed. He says, they were set up, they were set up, he exclaimed. I saw it on television, they killed my older son, Tamerlan. The father is said to have become more agitated and abruptly ended the call angrily, saying, leave me alone, my son's been killed. Now, again, this is all building on the points we're trying to make here. Because if that's all I had to say, you'd say, well, sure, you know, the the mother and the father are going to defend their sons. Yeah, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. And again, if you look at all the things I put out this week on the email newsletters, and if you're not on the list, you can get on and just go to contendingfortruth.com. Look at the right-hand side. I would advise signing up for both newsletter alerts, the health and the other. Uh, It's free, so... um, it's just something I have to do because there's no way I can cover everything in an audio study. There's just no way. So, unless I was doing it every day. The next report. Contractors at the Boston Marathon stood near the bomb and left before the detonation. Uh, what appears to be private contractors wearing unmarked matching uniforms and operating an in an unmarked SUV affixed with communication equipment near the finish line of the Boston Marathon shortly after the bomb blast, they can be seen beforehand standing and waiting just meters away from where the first bomb was detonated. All the pictures are up. I give you a whole bunch of pictures here. Okay. Uh, Undeniable. But this is only the tip of the iceberg. If you really wanted to research this, as bad as Sandy Hook was, as bad as Aurora was, with all of the botched stuff, This is probably the worst thing I've ever seen as far as them. There's no way they were going to conceal this. This is the Boston Marathon. This is the day of, of, you know, smartphones and stuff. All these people were taking pictures, were recording. There's no way. I mean, they've been had. They have been, if you look at at the evidence objectively, I don't mean subjectively, which would mean like your opinion, objective. They have been totally, I mean, just exposed from what I can see. So, and I give you some pictures here you can look at and you can make your own assessments. The contractor types had moved away from the bomb's location before it detonated and could be seen just across the street using communication equipment and waiting for similar dressed and equipped individuals to show up after the blast. So in other words, they had their two patsies who they were going to blame on and they probably knew that, you know, well ahead of time. They might have had other people that they might have wanted to blame. I think they had several options. These are the two that ended up up getting blamed. And these contractors were there in order to make sure things went according to plan. That's why they were there. The first picture, you're seeing the picture of these contractors and they're standing there. They're in the very, very back of where the runners are running by. And um, this image that you're looking at, now granted, it'd be better if you were actually uh, looking at the PDF while I'm doing the audio, but you can go back later and, and look at them as you want. Uh, an already widely distributed photo showing the contractor types on the bottom left. Now, this is the image we're looking at, I'm looking at. Um, just left of where the bomb was placed and was detonated. These men are wearing matching, unmarked uniforms with large black bags on their 
backs, uh, backpacks and appearing to be waiting separately and behind the rest of the crowd. They're not part of the crowd, you can tell. You know, that where, from where they're standing, they couldn't really see anything. They were well behind the actual crowd. And then in between them are people walking back and forth. So, they're there to supervise something. In the upper left corner, a wooden structure forming one half of the temporary photography bridge over the finish line can be seen and serves as a useful reference when establishing where the contractor types position themselves in other photos. So you have this reference tool you can look at and you say, okay, this is prior to the blast, this is after the blast, this is where the contractor types are after the blast, this is where they are before the blast. Um, Next photo shows after the blast, you can even see the blast zone, the bomb blast, and um, it says the image that we're looking at. After the explosion, two of the contractors were seen that were seen by the wall next to the bomb. Okay, appear across the street, both using communication equipment. Okay, so now we're we're looking at these two guys across the street, and we're seeing and there's a thing pointing to where they were. Okay, and then we're looking at where the bomb blast is. Um, this photo has been distributed in a large many times across the internet. Now, these are just a few of the photos available we're looking at here. There, it goes, there's way more um, photos than this. I think there's oh, thousands, I'm sure. Now, the next picture we're looking at. We're seeing um, an unmarked SUV with a considerable amount of communication gear on the roof. Appears, surrounded by identically dressed men. The vehicle parks near the bleachers, which is a little bit down from the bomb blast. Um, and the original pair of contractors are there as well. The ones that were standing right next to the bomb, okay, they're there as well. Still wearing, I believe they're backpacks at that point. At some point they shuttled the backpacks though too. Um, now, the next picture, event staff and contractors, both above and below the bleachers, begin tearing up the skirting around the temporary bleachers erected for the event. This was opposite of where the explosion went off. So it might have been the area where the bombs were detonated, maybe under the bleachers. They would have had, if they would have had any kind of visual sighting, they could have seen the bombs going off. So what they would have wanted to do is get their equipment that used to detonate the bomb out from under the bleachers. Now, I'm speculating, but it makes sense. It was directly across from where the bomb went off. And all of a sudden, they're tearing apart that area? Huh, kind of weird. Um... Opposite, this was opposite the explosion, and then they taped it off. And appear to be looking for something or retrieving something, while casualties are still being treated and evacuated across the street. Then, what appears to be an FBI bomb squad truck pulls up directly behind the contractor types uh, SUV with a woman clearly wearing an FBI on her tactical vest, emerging and speaking with the contractor types. Together, they disappear from the scene, leaving their vehicles behind. So, they're talking to these same two guys that are we see in the first picture near the bomb with the black backpacks. Now all of a sudden they're talking directly to the FBI. We're seeing them together, and in this case they're, they're also um, looking for something under these bleachers. Now here's a, a video I just saw last night which says proof that craft or Blackwater agents, these are these private contractors that typically are involved in a lot of evil, were involved with the Boston Marathon bombing. In this video, I show you how the media suspect that is still alive and captured, this was the second one, that was still alive and got captured in the boat, 
how he left the event with his backpack on. Watch the video. It shows you, after the bomb blast, shows you the second supposed Boston bomber walking away with his original backpack on. Okay? I mean, well, then how did he bomb it? Because supposedly it was a backpack bomb. In fact, that's what they they even showed videos of the blown-up backpacks that happened to be exactly identical to the backpack the contractors were wearing. Exactly. Now, I think there was more than one contract, one of these private contractors there. But it had this white square on the top of the backpack you can see from the thing. And they're the only backpack they could identify in the crowd that had that same white square. And the backpack bomb that went off, at least one of them had that white square. Because they show the remnants of it. It had that exact white square at the very top. It was the backpack from one of the contractors. One of these private contractors. But they're going to blame these other people. When there's video footage or photo footage of the kid the second one, who supposedly is one of the Boston Bombers, leaving the event with his backpack still on. Watch the video, if you don't believe me. When I saw that, it was like, wow. And it's clearly after the blast went off, too. They proved that, unequivocally. After the blast. he After the two blasts. He leaves with his backpack on. So the kid, the, the kid was totally frank. I'm not saying he was he wasn't evil. Maybe he was part of a ter- Muslim terrorist cell. I don't know. Okay, I, I just I have a very reluctance to believe anything the government's telling me in any way, shape, or form. And then this happens. It's official. CNN comes out. Boston bombing suspect suffers throat injury and may not be able to talk. They found him on this boat. They have. Photos of him getting off the boat, totally fine. Even though they shot at the boat for like an hour or something. I guess with rubber bullets, I don't know. He gets off the boat and then a minute later he's getting traked. He gets off the boat and he looks totally unhurt. He gets out of his, under his own power. And then all of a sudden, a minute or two later, he's like in the ambulance being traked. Hmm, I wonder why they wouldn't want him to talk. Huh. They killed his first brother, and if this one even lives, he's not going to be able to talk. Imagine that. They don't want anybody messing up their official cover story. So He just so happens to suffer a throat injury. Oh man, this world is so w- wicked and evil. Uh, um, then we see the next picture. Boston Marathon finish line again. Now, this is what appears to be an FBI bomb squad truck pulls in with a woman wearing what is clearly FBI on her vest. She talks with the two contractors, okay, the ones that were in the original frame videos that were wearing the black backpacks. She talks with them. So, obviously, the FBI and these private contractors are working together. They're wearing the same type backpack that was identified as at least one of the bombs, if not both, that were blown up. Exact same type, okay? And again, there's videos in here that prove all this. And there's tons more up on the internet. And there's, there's more information coming out on this hourly, from what I can see. Probably by the minute. And she talks with the two contractors while it appears... Now, remember what I said, the FBI? She just so happens to be wearing a vest that says FBI on her vest. Remember what we saw, talked about the mom? She says they've been in control of my sons for three, at least three to five years. And now the FBI shows up and talks to these same guys that are wearing the same backpacks... And one of them, at least one, if not both, were the exact ones they identified as the bomb. 
hmm, I'm sure there's no correlation, no coincidence, no foul play here. So, um, she talks to the two contractors while it appears a third is partially in the truck's right-hand side. Um, uh, also note that the area the contractors and the event taf- staff tore up is now taped off with yellow crime scene tape. They don't want anybody in there discovering anything they may not have discovered or whatever trying to hide. Now, the next picture. The FBI truck and contractor SUV is sits seemingly abandoned. Neither the FBI agent nor the contractors can be seen. What they did or where they went after this remains so far unknown. It should be noted, with the exception of the contractor types, meaning these guys that are probably Blackwater or Kraft uh, private contractors, all the other responders, with the exception of these ones wearing these black backpacks, all other responders at the scene, including the FBI agent, can clearly be identified, which would be normal. You'd want to have whatever uh, responder organization you're with identified. Am, am I EMS, emergency medical service, am I FBI, am I police, am, you know what I mean? Everyone else is, is totally, clearly identified, except for these private contractors. Um, all other responders at the scene, including the FBI agent, can clearly be identified from police to fire departments to medics to even individuals wearing vests with BAA physician written on them. These men were unidentified professional contractors, apparently augmenting the public servants, servants at the Boston Marathon, present before and after the bomb blast in the direct vicinity of the incident. After the blast, whether it was their intended function or not, they appeared to be searching for something under the bleachers before being joined by what appears to be an FBI bomb squad. The FBI and the city of Boston has so far categorically failed to provide any information on these highly suspicious individuals. And I said I released many emails this week where they were having drills. It was announced. They were saying, keep calm, don't panic, or whatever. They had bomb-sniffing dogs at the start line at the finish. I mean, there's all this other stuff that's went on that I'm not even talking about that I just I released in the newsletters. And so whenever they're running any types of drills like this, increasingly and increasingly and increasingly, that is a dead giveaway that something is going to go hot in close proximity or in proximity to running whatever drill the government's running. And they were running drills that day. Okay? And they, uh, this is the result. That way they can have all their people pre-positioned with an excuse to be there Whereas if they just showed up and they had this huge presence, people would be like, why is all the, oh, we, you know, but if they say, well, we were running a drill, we just happened to be here, they can come out smelling like a rose, or try to, have plausible, a plausible excuse as to why they're there. When they're there to facilitate whatever's going to happen and make sure it goes off the right way and supervise it. So, questions that must be answered. Several questions must be answered by the FBI, leading the investigation on behalf of we, the American people. Don't think any of these are going to be, but the first question is who these men were with large black bags in the direct vicinity of the bomb, where the bomb would detonate, moving away before the blast, and appearing directly across the road afterward. Who hired them, and what was their function? 
Why were they moving amongst the crowd in a semi-covert fashion when all other public servants present were wearing proper uniforms and clearly identified? Did police, firefighters, event organizers, medics know these men were present and what they were doing? Why did it appear that the FBI was fully aware of their presence and, in fact, working with them, specifically with what looks like a bomb squad unit? Were these three contractor specialists in explosives? And if so, what is the significance that at least two of them were spotted just meters away from where the blast occurred? I'm sure there's no correlation there. Why, uh, why these questions demand answers? That's the heading of this part. The checkered and frightening history of the FBI's involvement in fomenting false terror attacks and even presiding over attacks that succeeded in maiming and killing innocent people should call into question their presence or involvement at any public event, especially when seen associated with unidentified, semi-clandestine organizations that appear to be private contractors. I mean, how many more red flags could you have? Now, there's a link here entitled FBI's History of Handling Terror Suspects, Handy Terror Suspects, Live Explosives. There's a link where you can click on and see the history of the FBI handing terror suspects live explosives. And again, this is all about taking away our rights. This stuff happens. Order out of chaos. Okay, the, thir- the, model, the, the model of the 33rd degree Freemason. Ordo ob cow. Which is order out of chaos. They're trying to bring their new world order incrementally out of the chaos they're creating. The Hegelian dialectic. Okay, um, problem, reaction, solution. And this is why they're doing this. Okay, Private contractors as well do not answer or work for the public, but rather the highest bidder. Private contractors, most notably Blackwater and its various incarnations, have operated both domestically and abroad, committing obscene crimes and atrocities, there's links to those, with seemingly absolute impunity. These private contractors are, are traditionally, they're just totally above the law. In other words, the term... Defense contractor is, in fact, a euphemism for mercenary and has no place in a civilized democratic world, no matter what their alleged mission statement may claim. An alarming suspicion is raised when the FBI makes no mention of an organization it was clearly coordinating with, particularly in terms of bombs and explosives, before and after the incident, considering the nature of the attack. And when an already dubious organization, meaning the FBI, attempts to hide the facts of any given event, It is the right and responsibility of legitimate law enforcement, public representatives, and the citizenry itself to demand and get answers. If we are not persistent with the FBI's bizarre behavior over the last few days, including inexplicably canceling and suspiciously rushed press conferences, and now what appears to be a Hollywood ending for the case, we may never get those answers, meaning how they're, you know, the shootouts and stuff that they've been in or whatever trying to get these suspects. The FBI and other agencies have a long and well-documented history of staging terror events um, to get more power. It is also suspicious they told us to observe photos and information only they provided. And they did make that statement. Anything else doesn't even... Okay, so black and white, essentially their color, photos from multiple people documenting all the contradictions. None of that. No, no, we don't pay any attention to that. Because we just obey the, the government without question. Um, not me. Going further, it says it's also suspicious they told us to observe photos and information they provided after postponing a press conference set to take place earlier in the week. 
and an awkward media bumbling in misreporting the capture of a lone suspect. Who, I mean, they were saying it was a lone suspect, probably a white male Tea Party. Okay, they were saying this. NPR was saying this. Right when it happened, I was listening to it. And I, I, I had, Taylor was with me, and I'm like, well, you watch. They're going to blame it on a white male conservative Tea Party, somebody like that. They're the new, they're the new face of terrorism. You know, sure enough, they did it. Within minutes. And I've heard it over and over and over and over again from other liberal media news. I really thought they were going to pull it off. But they must have had enough... They're so inept when it comes to these types of things. You would think with their resources, with their satanic resources, they would be able to pull off this thing seamlessly, flawlessly. But they never, ever do. They always botch it. It's just that they have the media on their side and people are so asleep, for the most part, that nothing ever ends up getting done about it. Sandy Hook was was another classic example. Aurora shooting, you could go on and on and on. It's like this every time. It's normal for them to totally botch it. So, every liberal news source was just begging it to be a white male Tea Party conservative. Salon came out with an article saying, I hope... It's a white male Tea Party conservative. They were just frothing at the mouth for this to be the case. Well, at least their heart's in the right place. I think that's the important part. So anyway, let's go further. The links below further prove that the federal system has the motive as well as the means and history of staging terror events. They are suspect number one. Here's some related links you can click on. Terrorist plots hatched by the FBI. The next one, FBI organizes almost all terror plots in the United States. The next one, full extent of FBI's role in the Boston bombing will never be known. Uh, Next one, why government should be the first suspect in any terror attack. And the next one, the FBI needs to explain why it failed to monitor the Boston bombing suspect despite a clear warning. And then the last one, was the FBI monitoring Boston the Boston bombing suspect for years. Yeah, it was. I mean, the, the, like we said, the mom said it was a matter of fact. They even talked to her. You know, the FBI talked to her. And they've been controlling him, she said, for three to five years. Three to five years of effort they put into these patsies before they pulled the trigger. Put a lot of effort into them. Took a lot of work to stage all this. And they still botch it. So... This is the state of the world we're living in. Um, that's the end here. And then it says, most images that were, were above that we posted here were taken from Flickr. They give the guy's name who posted those. The entire collection of 150 images from the Boston Marathon can be found here. There's a link there you can click on. Uh, this is just a little image I posted. And within it, it says, the top five signs of a false flag terror attack. Number one. Horrific images are overused by the media to shock the public. There's a lot of evidence to to suggest that uh, some of these images were paid actors, just like they had at Sandy Hook, um, of these Boston terror suspects. I mean, of the the victims. Okay, I'm not saying they're all fake, but I'm saying I believe some of them are. So, horrific images are overused by the media to shock the public. Because if we're in shock, we'll agree to anything, is the way they see it. Two, drills of a similar attack occur on the same day in the same area. 
Meaning, oh yeah, we're doing this drill for this very thing that just happened. Oh, I'm sure there's no correlation. How many times do we see this over and over again? Just found out, just before I went uh, to this recording, that the fertilizer plant that was bombed in Waco, Texas, some days ago, there were FEMA trucks. And the guys there, this is before the bombing happened. He's like, this is really weird. He goes outside, it looks like he's in an apartment complex. He's like, we got FEMA trucks all over the place here in Waco. And there, and there, imagine that. And then he found out they were doing a drill there on the days preceding and the day of that fertilizer blast. Then I'm seeing all of this other footage that is being shown where it looks like some type of missile came in and actually blew that fertilizer plant. Yes, it was burning, but on the footage I'm seeing, something comes in from the left and they slow it down frame by frame and it totally looks like something comes in from the left-hand side and that's where it really whatever bomb that was, missile, some say it was a plane now, whatever that was, uh, is what actually really ignited the whole thing and really got the blast to go off. I mean, the blast that occurs after that is like a uh, nuclear-type blast. It's a mushroom cloud. And they just happen to be doing FEMA drills. Now, wouldn't that be a good diversion, too, for the Boston bombing? And it happened after the Boston bombing. Because they were botching all the stuff at the Boston bombing. So they're like, okay, okay, let's do something different here to get their eyes off that. Now, there's also another reason they were doing it. Where we're in the month of April, and it's a main month of human sacrifice. Okay, I reported two teachings ago on that, um, like, leading up to Beltane, which is May 1st. This is when you have the most kidnappings. Occurring statistically, even by the FBI's own statistics, it's always you know into that month leading up into uh, Beltane in, in uh, May, and there's all of these things going on. We're going to talk about this at the end of this teaching, near the end of this teaching, about that as well, and a lot of the things that they require fire sacrifices and things of this nature, and a lot of people died in that fertilizer plant explosion. Now, I'm not reporting on that today, but. I'm seeing more and more stuff coming on about that as well. So, here we have drills of a similar attack occur the same day in the same area. We had that both going on at Boston Marathon. We had it going on now, we're finding out at, uh, it happens all the time, virtually every one of these things. You know? So, it happened at Waco too. The guy's got footage of it online now. Three, eyewitnesses' accounts do not match the official story. Four, conflicting evidence is not repeated by the media. Well, they're there to cover it up and to be satanic. Five, used as an exercise, this is used as an excuse to curtail rights or to start a war. Okay, 9-11, bred the Patriot Act. Okay, and then a, a, a lot of other pieces of legislation, curtailing our liberties and rights. Okay, or sometimes they could use it to say, okay, that's it, we're going to war with you. Okay, so... This is, again, uh, agendas that have been repeated over and over in history. So, the next report. Bombshell Obama News on Monday. Glenn Beck apparently has some dramatic and potentially very damaging information concerning the Obama administration. Now, I'm I'm not endorsing Glenn Beck here, okay? But it seems as though, and again, he could turn around and backpedal and say, oh, I was wrong, which wouldn't surprise me one bit because I don't trust him at all. Okay, but... He seems to be coming out saying that, you know, I've got this information here, 
and I'm going to release it money unless, unless you come clean. We'll see. Okay. But he has some supposedly potentially very damaging information concerning the Obama administration and the probable, uh, and probably Obama himself concerning the marathon bombing and a government cover, cover up connected with it. Now, I've already went into that. Okay, but he's going after more of the whole, it has to do with the Saudi national who was initially a, quote, person of interest in the marathon bombing case, but then suddenly a decision was made to deport him after Obama decided um, to have an unscheduled meeting with a Saudi foreign minister. Isn't that kind of weird? They get the Saudi national who's supposedly at risk to national security. So they, so they, and he was there at the Boston bombing. And they just, they decide instead of arresting him or interrogating him, no, we're just going to deport him. I mean, it's like just insane stuff going on all the time. And then Obama at the same time decides to have an unscheduled meeting with the Saudi foreign minister. He's a Saudi Arabian. Okay, so there's nothing fishy going on here, though. This seemed to be very suspicious to me from the beginning. Beck says this is the second most important thing he's ever reported. Now, I've heard that a lot lately. Jones is up there saying this is the biggest, most red-handed, caught thing he's ever reported on. Beck's up there saying this is either the second most thing he's ever reported on, most important thing he's ever reported on, maybe the most important in terms of what it means to America. I'm not endorsing Alex Jones or Glenn Beck, okay? I'm just trying to stick with what is the evidence here we have in front of us. And there's a lot of photo evidence. A lot of photo evidence from different unrelated people all pointing in the same direction. You know, and I've just went over a whole bunch of that. And if you look at my emails from this week, my newsletters, you'll see a ton more. Uh, It goes on to say, he says that this information will be released on Monday unless the government or Obama admits its role in the cover-up beforehand. That's not going to happen. Remember the last time we heard this? It was Breibart. He was dead. He was gonna, Remember he was going to come out with some really big bombshell thing? And then all of a sudden he was like, died of this, mysteriously died of a heart attack or something, walking home or something. Like, never got a chance to really do what he was going to do. Okay, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Glenn Beck. But as it, it's eerily similar to me that um, Breibart was threatening the same thing. And it was about, I believe it was about Obama. Something having to do with that administration. Here Beck's doing the same thing. So um, I'm just going to play this short clip from him so you can kind of hear it for yourself. Again, I'm not endorsing Glenn Beck or anything. But it's just that this is all kind of pointing in the same direction here. Um, so let's just hear things that I have covered, um, in the last 40 years. Uh, I would say this is top five, maybe number two and, um, possibly number one in importance. Number one is clearly the world trade center bombing, but because, and I want you to, I want you to listen to me carefully here for the next 20 minutes. This is very, very important. What we do going forward from here will determine the fate of our nation. Make no mistake. This story is number two because of what I know. What we do will make this the most important story um, of our lifetime. What, what's happening now is very important. What happens in the aftermath 
will make it the most important because it will either save our country or we will be done. So let me just say this to those at the highest echelons of government that know the tagging system. They know all about events, not files, events. Let me send this message very clear. We know who this Saudi national is. And it is in your best interest and in the best interest of integrity and trust for the, uh, the people of the United States of America. It's best coming from you, not coming from a news organization. It's best coming from you. You have until Monday. We have information on who this man is. And listen to me carefully in your little event world. We know he is a very bad, bad, bad man. I know that doesn't make any sense to you right now, but on Monday... It will. It makes sense to somebody in Washington. I don't bluff. I make promises. The truth matters. I've had enough of what you've done to our country. I thought I had heard and seen it all. I thought I didn't trust my government. Oh, no. No, no. There is no depth that these people will not stoop to. They have until Monday. And then the blaze will expose it. Okay, so there we hear from Glenn Beck. What his angle is, uh, Alex Jones is going ape over this one. I mean, he's pretty much going gonzo. Uh, and so we have that. Now, the next thing I thought, you know, we're going to kind of shift gears here, but there's an article that I saw this week on audio. It's only like five minutes. I'm going to play this. And it's John McAfee. The guy that invented the McAfee antivirus uh, predicts ricin attacks. Ricin sent a senator who ended gun control filibuster, and the second letter was then sent to Obama. Now, this all plays together because we're dealing with, you know, the Boston bomber, terror events, we're, you know, all of these things that are going on that seemingly could, could fall under the category of some terroristic event. Uh, this goes on to say, a letter believed to have been laced with the deadly substance ricin was intercepted in a Maryland post office yesterday before it could reach its intended destination. Uh, the desk of a senator who has been fiercely critical of gun control legislation yet voted to block a filibuster on the issue. In a statement late Tuesday, the U.S. Capitol Police said that the further tests on the package, which had a Memphis, Tennessee postmark are being conducted at the Army's Biological Research Laboratory at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Now, I said all that to kind of play this video here because this is something that could very much be a reality and if it happened, I think it would happen quickly and um, 
I think the vast majority of the people on in America would be totally unprepared for this to happen, a ricin attack. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this, because it would fit well into their agenda of um, problem, reaction, solution, control, crisis, you know, controlled chaos brings about controlled crisis, ordo ob the whole nine yards. Um, I'm going to play this short YouTube clip about this so you can understand and, and uh, the potential for this to happen as well. Okay, now this is John McAfee predicting a ricin attack. And this was back oh, several months ago. Uh, that this happened, that this letter, that this wasn't something that just happened last week. This was something that was actually predicted months ago by John McAfee. Okay. And we'll go to our next story. Follow-up attack. Ryerson sent to Senator who ended gun control filibuster, second letter sent to Obama. A letter to believe, believed to be laced with the daily substance Ryerson was intercepted in Maryland in a Maryland post office yesterday before it could reach the intended destination, the desk of a senator who had been fiercely critical of gun control legislation, yet voted to block a filibuster on the issue. The intended target of the letter was Senator Roger Wicker, a Republican from Mississippi, who in recent weeks has vowed to block any legislation that would further tighten firearms restrictions. And I like to show that tweet. That's a good tweet. Hold on to that one right there. This is by Jeff Galvin. Galvin. Probably right-wing terror groups send Ryerson to all 16, quote, traitor Republican senators to end gun control filibuster. And that's what we're talking about, people blaming these right-wing extremists. I'm not saying this guy has any merit or weight to his name, but those are the kind of things that we've seen. And I've just been told of some breaking news from the AP. I'm told that the... Again, we're seeing they're so wanting to pin this on right-wing conservative, particularly white male, supposed terrorists. They're just chomping at the bit over and over again in liberal media to do this. FBI does have a suspect in custody. Now, this is... Breaking news to us, teleprompter free, free here at the Info Ward. So you can see the article right there on your screen. FBI, Mississippi man arrested, accused, and writes the letters. And that's very interesting because the same senator is a Republican from Mississippi. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm sure Alex Jones will have more on that on the Alex Jones radio show. But first, we had a caller call in today during the Alex Jones radio show, myself and David Knight hosting that segment. And he called and he said, hey, Alex, well, you know, we're addressing the, the thing to us, but about uh, Alex Jones' interview. He says, hey, you guys remember when Alex Jones talked to uh, John McAfee of the McAfee computer software, and McAfee had found out through some, uh, I guess you call them hacked uh, laptops that he gave police in Belize that there was a big conspiracy to cook up Ryerson. Now, this is back in January. McAfee, you know, a very smart guy, I'm pretty sure can hack anybody's computer found out this information that they had tons, as he calls it, tons of ricin being cooked up in Belize. Okay, so now we're going to hear that interview. This was back in January. This is weapons-grade ricin. Okay, this is really, really nasty stuff, as you will see. John McAfee, 
uh, who has just been all over the headlines the last few months, uh, is going to be joining us here in a moment. Now that I'm in the States, I feel safe to, to disclose the information that I had, had known about for over six months, and that is... Now, this is John McAfee talking. Uh, the, the country of beliefs has been uh, accepting Hezbollah terrorists at the rate of about 10 per month for a couple of years. Okay, so 10 per month for the last so many years. Hezbollah terrorists, these are Islamic terrorist, you know, Quran-wielding, Allah-worshipping, you know, hardcore jihadist terrorists that we're talking about here, which want to kill and maim and destroy. They don't need any excuse. The government can use them for their, whatever they're trying to um, pull off, because they're more than willing to go along with any plot that's going to kill Americans. Changing their identities, giving them European names, and then uh, handling them, shifting them off uh, into Guatemala, uh, then across Honduras into northern Nicaragua to a training base, and also a base where they are manufacturing rice and powder, weapons grade. Uh, that is being transported north into Mexico along with the terrorists and in league with the Zeta drug cartels. Um, the rice and powder for using the same drug route. So the Zeta drug cartels are... are intermingled, commingled with all of this. These are some of the same cartels we've actually given weapons to with Operation Fast and Furious. The Zetas and, you know, MI-13 and these type. I mean, just really some of the most evil, wicked gangs on the planet. I mean, they will cut your head off. They will, they will, uh, they will make you watch while they do the most unbelievable things to your family and then horrifically torture you. Essentially, these are the types of gangs we're, we're talking about here, are integrally related to this. I've reported on this a lot in the past as well. And these are gangs, a lot of them literally are um, involved in satanic cults like the Santa Muerte death cults, and I've reported on that anyway. It's basically worshipping the angel of death. And that's the, one of the main religions that they're adopting into these gangs in order to get what they want. So I've, I've reported on Santa Muerte, two different teachings. You can key that in, just key in Santa and you'll find it in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. So this is what we're we're dealing with some, with organizations that have, would have no no problem <laughs> uh, killing masses and masses of of Americans. They ship uh, hundreds of tons of cocaine through uh, the ricin that's being delivered into the states. So what can you tell us about the ricin? Place called Wamlin, uh, and they were making oil from a kind of beans. Castor beans is where ricin comes from. Okay, this is where we get castor oil from. Okay, but the castor oil is not the same as what they're extracting from the castor bean. It's a big difference. The castor bean is where they're getting the ricin, and that's what kills you. Castor oil, obviously, is not lethal. Bean will will kill an an adult human. One milligram of uh, purified ricin. In one of the the, texts, captures that we got, somebody, and it was on a young woman's computer that had no business talking about such things, talked about an MMD of three microns, meaning it's the mean mass density, it's the it's the, di- the average diameter of a particulate of powder. Well, at three microns, it, it's, it's definitely weaponized dust. You could take a kilogram of it and spray it over New York and kill every man, woman, and child in the entire city. This is a kilogram. Uh, okay, did you hear that? You can take a kilogram of this weaponized grade 
ryacin, 3 micron, meaning it's, it's going to go through any type of dust mask, most likely. You know, you would really need a gas mask in this, and a decent one. And go through that, and one kilo, 2.2 pounds, put in like a Venturi, and just let's say a private plane flies over New York, and they just kind of sift it over New York, is enough to kill all of New York. That's how lethal this stuff is, okay? And they're making this stuff by the tons. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't intervene and make sure that none of this ever happened, but it's not like we're in, America could be in God's good graces right now with the blood of millions and millions and millions of innocent babies crying out from the land and the the sodomites and, and all of this wickedness that's constantly going on in this country. So, <laughs> I just really got convicted when I heard this little interview to say something about it, because I've, I've mentioned different things before about the avian bird flu and this and that, and, and um, those are all valid. Those are all equally in, in how they have the vaccine agenda in, intermingled with that in the potential for pandemics and plagues. And Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24 that there's going to be plagues and pestilences and wars and rumors of wars in diverse places and earthquakes you know, so this could be absolutely part of that, and I don't know of something much more deadly than this stuff that they're manufacturing by the ton and in the hands of Mexican drug cartels working with extreme jihadist Muslim terrorists. And I, like I said, the drug cartels are all here. Just Kian Zaydas. Zeta Cartel or whatever in America or whatever on YouTube. You can see the gangs are all here. These gangs are already in place. They're going to be working with Islamic terrorist sleeper cells that have been here for decades that I've reported on. That our government does nothing about. They just let them, you know, just do your thing. They're just waiting for the time when they get the green light from Allah or whoever to wage war on the great Satan. I was really hoping the other day when this thing happened with the Boston bombing, that, that that wasn't the start. Maybe it was the start. I don't know. You know, this thing that happened in Waco. I don't know. Things Seems like things have calmed down a little bit. Initially, there was a lot of stuff going on. We'll see. But this would be an unbelievable tool to implement um, regarding that whole, that whole subject and, and of, of death and destruction to America. So let's go further. There's about a little more than a minute left. Um, and, and they're manufacturing this stuff by the ton. Um, it, it, was, it was by the ton. It only takes 2.2 pounds, okay, to kill a city the size of New York. Not to say that that's going, if they literally did that, they'd kill every person in there because everybody's not going to be outside inhaling you know, obviously, because this stuff, you know, doesn't mess around. But I'm just saying that if they're producing it by the ton, 2,000 pounds per ton, hmm, that's a lot. That's that's definitely, if they're doing this by the ton, they've definitely got enough to kill every man, woman, child in, in America, easily. So. To me, very, very scary. 
scary. It was scary to the young woman. And you may notice she said she was afraid. Uh, I brought her back and sent someone else with a little more experience. Um, it's 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 all for real, sir. If you if you read it carefully, if you listen to the audio tapes, especially of the police and official, it is obviously not something made up. There is way too much detailed information with names and dates. You heard it right there. That was January 4th of this year, and we want to direct everybody who hasn't seen that interview to go to the Alex Jones YouTube page. I do believe we have that up to show our viewers. Yes, you can see it right there. Ryson attack predicted in January by John McAfee. If we can scroll, if we can show you that is on the official Alex Jones YouTube page, Alex Jones official channel. So if you want to hear the full thing, you can just go to his YouTube page or key in that the list of words he just said. And hear the whole thing. But that was that was basically the synopsis of what we're talking about here. Now, all of a sudden, this Ryerson shows up on these letters that went to a senator in Obama. So, again, I think a lot of this might be to get that word into our thinking process. Okay? And, you know, I'm just saying it's well, check that out today. pretty crazy. You can also find that on prisonplanet.tv. And uh, big ups to that caller who called in and reminded us of that. Thank you. Thank you for that call. Okay. So that that's all for there. Um I wanted to go over that because I thought that was very noteworthy. Now, I would like to uh, have the next part where I'm going to give you some emergency treatments for ryosin exposure and other chemical agents, but I don't have enough time for this part. So I'm going to end part one here, and we'll go to part two next and get into that, some practical things you can do, just in case. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613 or on the internet paypal can be used at contendingfortruth.com thank you and may the lord jesus christ richly bless you